Welcome to episode number three of the Stay in the Game podcast. I am your host, Trevor Field, owner and physical therapist with Form and Function Physical Therapy. Um, once again, uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for making us a part of your day. If you're just finding us uh, episode three in, go ahead and uh, take a peek at episodes one and two. There's a lot of good content in there. Also, um, let us know what you think uh, about our episode, about our podcast. If there's topics you think we need to cover, we want to hear about it. We're trying to get this information out to you guys in the best format as we possibly can. So check out those previous podcasts. Uh, Here's episode three coming at you right now. First and foremost, I wanted to uh, make a quick announcement. Next month's podcast, we have something especially exciting. We're going to have our first uh, special guest, and that is Tina Wang of Tupelo Point Healing Arts. She is a PM&R doctor, and if you're like, what in the world is PM&R? That's physical medicine and rehabilitation. If you've never heard of it, um, if you're dealing with any kind of musculoskeletal injury, she's uh, somebody in our network that we love, that we uh, lean on when we're uh, dealing with a difficult case. So if you want to find out more about what physicians in the PM&R space do, we encourage you to come check out next month's podcast. As for this one, I uh, got a few quick announcements, uh, updates, and uh, let you know where we're at. So our accountability for our New Year's resolution was all about um, trying to be in front of you guys, getting content out, letting you guys know how we're doing um, with our social media posts, with this podcast and otherwise. So we're still knocking that out of the park, putting out newsletters for you guys to consume. Uh, if you're not on our mailing list, go ahead, uh, shoot an email out to us, info at formfunctionpt.com, and we can get you into our mailing list. Um, you know, a lot of exciting content for you guys. But um, to update you as to what we've done with the other part of the New Year's resolution, it was all about getting on the bike. So um, happy to say, yes, indeed, I've been out getting more active. Um, haven't been able to coax my son out of the house yet, but, you know, just trying to be um, an example for him, you know, get out there and do my thing. So I'm not the uh, the Strava type person. I don't use um, apps to kind of activity track even though I've downloaded the Strava app, it's usually I'm parking my my bike back in the garage before I even think about, ah, oh, damn, I just uh, missed an opportunity to, to see where I'm at. So for me, um, that's not necessarily a level of accountability for me in terms of my activity. I'm just not wired that way, but um, it's a great tool. I know a lot of people love to use it uh, using Strava or similar apps in terms of being activity trackers. So if you need those types of motivational tools, um, or, or you have questions as to what motivational tool might be working best for you, hit us up. Now, <clears throat> here we are in March. Um, never been busier. The clinic's booming. Um, people are, are creeping out of lockdown, getting out, becoming more active, and finding that lockdown didn't do them so well. They started developing neck, back, shoulder issues, um, trying to get into a fitness routine on their own and aches and pains are really starting to, to bite. So that's a lot of what this episode's about. And the number one type thing that people are dealing with and questions they have in regards to some of these issues is, should I be exercising and what kind of exercise I can do with back pain? 
So back pain being amongst the the number one, actually number two overall um, condition that shows up in a primary care doctor's office behind the cold and flu is back pain. So it's likely something that we're all going to deal with from time to time. It's just best to know what I should do, what I shouldn't do, and, and figure out the best route to manage it. So that's a lot of what this episode's about, back pain. And the answer to the question, should I exercise with back pain? Um, You know, it can be uh, a bit of a controversial topic because one, uh, there's just so much information out there. It's crazy the amount of of providers um, that you could go to for a back issue, the types of approaches that even those same providers. So let's say you go to five PTs, they may have a different completely different approach as to how they're attacking back pain. The biggest complaint we see is these large medical plans, um, HMOs, for instance, that you're kind of um, a captive audience to the providers that they have contracted with. They basically more or less just provide you a handout full of exercises that you should be doing. Uh, not a lot of skilled hands-on intervention, not a lot of modalities or things that you know could be really effective at making this thing get better. They really are focused on getting you in, getting you out of that office and get on to the next person. So it becomes a quick numbers game um, just to kind of reshuffle the deck and, and, and just keep the system moving. It's not how things need to be done, should be done. It's just you know a, a matter of you know how the health system's been working. Uh, obviously we know it's not working because I get a ton of clients that come out of these large HMO networks to find a little more specialized level of care. They've tried massage, yoga. They've been to other PT offices, just never getting the outcome they're looking for. They've tried chiropractic. Um, they've checked out YouTube to try to get some advice about what they should be doing. So when they come in, the first thing I ask is, what have you tried? What have you done? And the advice that I'm seeing people get, it's frustrating from my point of view, and it's a little bit scary. The the things that people are being told to deal with with back problems, it's really unusual. I mean, going way back in time, and I won't say way back, even relatively recently in the last couple of decades, um, the standard of care for uh, a back that went out was just bed rest, just to lay around and and allow things to heal. And that's all well and good. I mean, the body has some functional ability to to mend itself. Obviously, if there's acute inflammation, it's about a 10 to 14 day process for your body to just get through it. But sitting and waiting around, not ideal. Sitting and waiting, um, sitting and waiting for your body to mend Again, not not ideal. Uh, what tends to happen is with all that rest becomes, you know, a lot of atrophy of muscle. It weakens you. And those muscles are absolutely vital for you to be able to support your spine, to walk, to lift, to bend, to get in and out of cars, to, to do, you know, just basic life activities and to just shut down and just wait for just inflammation to go away. Well, it wasn't the back problem didn't come from just a spark of inflammation. The inflammation came from an issue of a tissue being overly stressed. Um, Muscles, ligaments, disc, all of these structures. So the spine's incredibly complex in terms of the the number of structures that could be uh, affected, which is why I'm always just baffled as to why you look online and you just see, hey, these are the three best exercises for back pain. 
um, maybe for a specific type of back pain, but without having any type of assessment to figure out what type of back pain, where the source of it is. I mean, it's, it's akin to, um, practicing without a license. It's, it's really going through, uh, and treating without assessing. It's, it's more or less malpractice. It's a poor effort. It gets you a lot of clicks. It can get you a lot of likes online. It can get you some following by other people in the industry. But if you are suffering with back pain and you haven't been assessed and you take advice from somebody who hasn't figured out why you have the back pain, um, doing something for the back pain, the what, the exercise, the advice is likely wrong. We're sticking with the what or the how and not the why it's happening. And getting to the why is always and forever going to be the best route to deal with back pain. So obviously we figured out and spoke about the rest not being the answer. Um, And all back pain isn't the same. Um, What could be happening in your back? So we talked about the the back being a a really complex system. The spine itself... um, You've got the vertebrae, right? That is the backbone, the spine itself. In between those vertebrae, you've got a disc. The disc is a really tough piece of cartilage um, that shock absorbs and allows some movement to allow the spine to be flexible. You've got facet joints. So there's three joints per segment. There's vertebral joint where the disc is at and facet joints. Those are the ones that the chiropractor cracks. So snap, crackle, pop, the Facet joint is those structures. So dealing with a disc issue, mobilization adjustments, probably not ideal. You've got obviously muscles supporting that area. You've got ligaments and tendons that allow those things to to come in. So that's it's a complex structure that a lot of things you know factor into all of that stuff. And you go deeper into the back, you've got the SI joint where the sacrum is. That's the lower kind of keystone bone and the pelvis that attaches into the spine. So um, yeah, humongous amount of, of variability. There could be multiple structures that are going on and, and not even the what, why. Why did it become that way? Are certain muscle groups too tight from inactivity or too much sitting or a specific type of exercise or thing that you do at work repetitively or a sport that you enjoy that's putting excessive stress on a specific structure and now it's finally kind of evolved to becoming symptomatic and now you need to seek help for it? You know, that's where we need to start using our head and figuring out, hey, you know what, just going to a generalist or going to a primary care doctor is not likely to get you the outcome you're looking for. We've got to figure all these things out. So ultimately for me, should you exercise with the back pain was the overarching question. Um, Well, we know that rest wasn't the answer, so it's got to be a yes. So what should it be? And for me, it's always about active recovery, just sitting and waiting. We talked about muscles atrophying or getting weaker. Uh, An active recovery approach gets you a personalized kind of um, prescription of the exercise based on your tolerance for activity. We've got to figure out what you can do and find a level about what you should do. So these are things that, um, it demands that level of supervision because the spine being as complex as it is. Um, and additionally, when things get bad, you could be unintentionally bedridden. You could like, obviously, 
bed rest is one thing in terms of a treatment approach that used to happen about it. But when you're in so much pain that you have no choice, the level of activity you can tolerate is to lay in bed. It's not a great place to be. It can be incredibly debilitating. Um, when the spine becomes so unstable um, that things like a cough or a sneeze cause you pain, where getting in and out of a car becomes difficult because the spine becomes unstable. If you bend over, but you have way more, not only will you have pain bending, but if that pain is worse rising from a bent position, that's a classic sign of instability in the spine. So what is instability? Where does that come from? Um, some of it's just a lot of stress from you know, just your daily activities. If you sit, if you bend improperly, um, riding in cars, just that vibration and pounding on it, you lose posture. If we sit longer than 20 minutes at a time and those discs just take a pounding. Well, how does that create instability? We talked about the disc structure being cartilage. Think about like steak, right? If there's a piece of gristle on, on that steak, um, what do you do to try to tenderize it? You take out the hammer and you pound on it. You tenderize that steak. So that's what happens with life. If we've put abnormal stress on the spine, an abnormal amount of pounding, if we pound on the disc, that disc becomes a bit mushy. It becomes soft. The segments become unstable. So we may be thinking, oh man, I just pulled a muscle. Well, that muscle may be pulling or creating tension because it's trying to create stability. So I don't want you to think that this is all just based on one condition. I'm talking about kind of instability as an overarching underlying issue that a lot of things get mistaken for. So now that we've talked a bit about the structure of the back and some instability, um, what can you do for it? So the first thing is more about the do nots. So I'm all about the do nots. Don't hold your breath. Um, holding your breath, you increase inner abdominal pressure, which increases your disc pressure. So if you bear down, you actually compress the disc. And if it's mushy, a bit of compression can cause that disc to bulge or protrude or move toward a nerve and get that uh, nerve structure irritated and turn into a sciatic nerve problem. You may have heard of that. The sciatic nerve runs from the branches of the nerves that exit the spine all the way down your legs. So you may be having tingling in your toes and just wondering why is, do I need to change my shoes? What's my issue? Do I have bunching of my sock at the end of the, um, inside my shoe? You take your shoe off and it's not bunched. It's actually a nervous, um, tissue problem from the lumbar spine creating kind of that referral pain down into your foot. So these are the kind of things that we got to figure out. Um, not only what is going on with that sciatic nerve, with the disc, with the structure of the back, where it's coming from, how it came about. So that way we can remove some of those destructive forces. So we're not just right back here two to three months down the road. Keep it from being a recurrent issue. So what can you do? For me, I'm not the one to be putting out 150 uh, posts about here's the top three exercises for X, Y, or Z, because it takes a level of skill to be able to identify what the problem is for the individual. But there is one activity that I'll say um, without question, regardless of the back issue um, you may have that you should be doing, and that's getting out for a walk. So walking is forcing you to use some of those postural muscles. That mobility will allow blood flow, circulation, nutrition to the tissue to allow it to calm down, keeps the legs strong, and keeps some of these things functioning. So a walking is the highest level of things that I want you to begin to do. So uh, outside of holding your breath as far as the do nots, what else can you be doing to avoid creating more issue for your lumbar pain? So 
One, don't hold your breath. Second, if you're sitting, try not to be there longer than 20 minutes. After 20 minutes, postural muscles begin to fatigue. If those postural muscles in your sitting position start to fatigue, you begin to slouch. And that slouch actually starts to put stress and tension and pressure at the front of the disc and causes it to protrude posteriorly where those nerve tissues are at. So that's why, you know, for every 20 minutes you sit, you better just stand for a minute. These are actually aerobic muscles. It only takes them a minute or two to kind of recharge and give you 20 more minutes of being able to posturally sit. So making sure that we get up a minute for every 20 we're down. We're not holding our breath. If you're lifting or carrying something, if you pick up a load, make sure it's close to you. Uh, the farther uh, a weight is away from the body, the more torque comes onto the spine. So that's how you've heard of a torque wrench. It's a big, long-handled wrench that you can begin to increase tension. The longer the lever arm, the more stress and tension. So the closer the load is to the center of mass, the less stress it's going to be on your spine. So if you must lift, make sure everything's close to your body. And if you are lifting, carrying, or holding something, don't twist with that load. There's specific directions of stress uh, lines within the disc. And if we rotate with the load, it actually will um, basically tear some of those fibers in the disc. And a little tear in that disc makes it vulnerable and weak for the central um, part of the gel center of that disc to begin to protrude. That's what they call a herniated disc. So the outer two-thirds of that disc is cartilage. The inner third is like a gel nucleus. So that nucleus starts to protrude or spill out into that space, and it causes a humongous disc bulge herniation pain syndrome. Um and can actually progress to being very serious if you get weakness in the leg, if you can actually lose uh, bowel and bladder control, that becomes a, an emergency room visit. So critical for us to, to know what not to do. So that's why I kind of always start with the don'ts. Um, your do's, you know, walk. And specifically, flat, flat ground right now. Uh, climbing hills, particularly worse than Climbing is descending because the more you step down, it can actually increase um, that body weight and tension down and that force reaction up the body up to six times your body weight. So it's really important that we keep it on, um, you know, flat ground, a nice, comfortable pace. Listen to your body, listen to your symptoms, try to do things to avoid um, irritating it more than uh even becoming even mildly symptomatic. So if we can stay subsymptomatic, just get as much activity as you can comfortably, phenomenal. It's, that's a great place to be. So to recap, um, issues, the do's and don'ts with these back issues is don't hold your breath. Don't sit longer than 20 minutes. Don't lift away from your body. And if you are carrying or holding something, don't twist. Uh, what I want you to do is just get out and walk. The other thing that you can do without causing too much stress to your body is to hydrate. Now, you may or may not have a disc problem, but the disc craves water. It actually absorbs water overnight. So the old, uh, what we thought was a wives' tale is you're actually taller in the morning than you are at night. That's a fact because your discs are plump. They're hydrated. We took gravity off of them. They were absorbing water all night long. If we're in a, a le um, situation where you're dehydrated, you lose some of that cushion, that ability to shock absorb uh, as efficiently as you possibly could. So hydrate, walk, uh, that's our go-tos. So this week, uh, actually had a patient come to us with a back problem, four months worth of a back problem. She had uh, reached out to us, had sent us her son uh, years and years ago, uh, longtime client, family-wise, but this is her first time kind of uh, 
traversing the the physical therapy landscape. And she was dealing with uh, this back issue. She had just recently switched up her job and her her tasks had her bending constantly. Um, it had gotten to a point where, you know, she was suffering. She loves the job, loves what she's doing, loves the clients she sees. But all this bending has, has just destroyed her back. So much so that, like, when she reached out, she sent this, like, epic text because, you know, it was just so emotional for her. She was dealing with all this stuff and she's just in the text. You could just feel it in her heart that it was tearing her up. It was full on. If I called you, I would be crying on the phone. So I decided to text. So, you know, dealing with these back problems can, like I mentioned, it's, it's incredibly debilitating, but she, well, I finally got her on the phone and, and convinced her to come in and had to convince her more so because of the impending amount of pain she was going to be in just to get in the car to get to my office. So we got her in and <clears throat> just a few simple things. And within 20 minutes, she was bending over and touching her toes. And though she felt like she would have cried when she called me, she had tears rising from her toes. Like, I can't believe I waited four months. How dumb. And previously it was, um, just an issue of, she knew she needed to do something about it. She'd tried chiropractic, tried a few other things and just wasn't getting the result. She just finally came to the conclusion that, look, I need to do something about it, reached out and, and found the answer. Um, obviously we're not fixed in one session. She just saw that finally there's progress. There's hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. She's going to have to put in some work to restore the foundations of how her spine works, but just to, to see, um, the relief, the hope on her face again after a session. It's, it's, you know, it's what makes our profession so awesome. I would recommend it to anybody. It's, it's a great feeling to have a patient just make, uh, you know, some remarkable gains with, within a single session. It's a, it's a cool thing to see. So if you're dealing with any kind of back issues, know anybody who needs some help with this stuff is confused about what advice to get, has tried physical therapy, doesn't think it works, did chiropractic, didn't get the outcome they were looking for. Doctors are giving them the runaround, getting advice from neighbors or, or wherever else, and they're confused. Hey, this is what we do all day long. So, you know, point them to this podcast, shoot them over to our blog. We've got tons of information over there. Our newsletter obviously commonly covers a lot of this stuff. Get on our mailing list. Um, follow us on any of our social media platforms because we commonly, you know, will give advice about how to manage some of these things so they can get some trust about making a good decision on where to go. And that's yet another reason why we, we hammer out this podcast. It's so many people are confused. So many people are getting misinformation, disinformation, you know, impartial information, um, about what to do. And, And this is the best way for you guys to, to get what you need as fast as possible, avoid the suffering, avoid kind of, uh, turning this into, uh, a big reclamation project, get on top of it early. So we don't have so far to come back from. So the next segment of the podcast actually rolls into the products that we love. So this month we're going to feature joint NutriCare. So joint NutriCare or JNC is uh, a supplement product that we've held in our office um, more or less since we started. Joint NutriCare is a, a joint uh, supplement series, actually Formula One and Formula Two, that in concert really helps 
cushion the joints, uh, alleviate inflammation around it. So great for arthritis, great for anyone over 30. Uh, Joint NutriCare was actually formulated by a physical therapist colleague of mine, Jeff Hubbard. Uh, Super smart guy, was one who's deep into the research of um, naturopathic health and um, really trying to get what constituents, what substances are best and most effective at dealing with arthritis pain because that's really his, uh, his niche. He's uh, been treating arthritis issues for a lot of years now and had been just recommending people go to the the health food store. And by the time um, people were walking out, the receipt was, you know, the length of your arm because he's recommending so many different individual components to help with these issues. Well, he found a formulary, somebody to find a high quality ingredients and was able to formulate them into um, a two bottle series. So Joint NutriCare Formula One is really your um, collagen, um, hyaluronic acid, a few other constituents, olive leaf extract, and a few other goodies in there that's really helping um, sulfur, obviously, um, for that uh, joint sparing um, purposes. But the Formula Two, and my personal favorite, is really more a naturopathic anti-inflammatory. So these are things that can be, if you're somebody who digs into the medicine cabinet and is <clears throat> somebody who goes to the NSAIDs, the Advil, the Motrin, ibuprofen, that formula too, way better for your health uh, and as effective, if not more effective. So love that product. If you have questions about what it can do, if it's for you, if it's something you should consider, um, hit us up, give us a call, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, um, give us a call, 888-619-2885, or shoot us uh, a message in the comments down at the bottom of the podcast today and let us know about what you need for um, your joint health and if joint NutriCare might be something that you could benefit from. And that's going to lead us into our health tip and trick of the month. And that is what to do with this back pain. We're going to stay right on this topic of back pain and and tell you the number one thing to avoid when we're dealing with back issues. And that is to stop stretching your hamstring. So um, literally, if you know anything about me, I'm the guy banging on the drum nonstop to stop stretching your hamstring. It might be the, I'm the only one I've really ever come across that's been this kind of adamant about like stop stretching your hamstrings. People obviously with back issues may have issues like bending over and touching their toes. They can't bend and get down and do the things they want to do. They feel like the hamstrings gotten tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, the first inclination that everybody has, well, how do you lengthen out something that's gotten tight is to stretch, right? Well, Not in this case. A lot of cases with the hamstring beginning to tighten, what we're dealing with is it is overworking, trying to pull the pelvis back down to give space for the nerves above. You've got a tug of war going on between the muscles at the front of the hip, the hip flexor, um, otherwise known as the psoas uh, muscle that will pull the pelvis forward. The hamstrings try to counter it by pulling the pelvis back and and trying to create space for the nerves that exit the spine. Um, Secondarily, if we've got any kind of nerve irritation, a disc bulge or herniation that prevents the nerve from gliding through the spine, those nerves exit the spine and actually run down the entirety of the leg. And by stretching hamstring, um, you're really going to irritate it. Now, nerve is not at all like muscle. Nerve is, think about like an, a vacuum cleaner electrical cab- cable. It's it's like 
it doesn't stretch. It's not as extensible as muscle. So if we start pulling on something that's hung up in the lower back, what we're going to end up doing is irritating that nerve, creating inflammation around it, just really agitating it. And it's something that we just absolutely definitely do not want to do. So specific things that people do to stretch their hamstring, they'll just do a standing like toe touch. Just a standing flexion is a big no-no. They'll sit on the floor and tuck a foot in and reach down and try to touch their toes or just be in long sitting where both legs are straight and try to bend for their toes. Secondarily, they'll either try also lying on their back and lifting a leg, grabbing behind the knee and just really trying to pull and stretch or they'll use a strap down at the foot or ankle to try to extend that leg straight up in the air while laying on your back. All of those... I don't like. There's there's a time and a place. You've got to kind of rule out um, some of these issues of nerve irritability before you start even digging into hamstring stretches. And in a lot of cases, if we stretch the front of the hip, get the the psoas, the hip flexor, all of these other muscles released, that was the secret for my uh, my client that couldn't touch their toes in four months. I didn't do any hamstring stretches. I released the hip flexor manually, of course. I pressure pointed it and did some other techniques, but there's things that you can do on your own um, to to be able to release this guy and reach down and touch your toes more comfortably. But um, that is the health tip and trick of the month. Stop stretching your hamstrings for back pain. And now we're on to our monthly promo. What are we doing this month? Um, March is our massage month. March also has uh, uh, a little something to do with St. Patrick's Day. So we have a little lucky ticket for you guys. So the luck of the Irish on your side, uh, ask us for the lucky ticket. And what is the lucky ticket? It's actually a pass for you to do an introductory massage for the low cost of 45 bucks. So if you're ever interested in checking out what form and functions massage therapy has to offer uh, over your massage therapist, if you've never had a massage, if you've got muscle tension, uh, soreness, if you've hit the gym hard, if you've got an injury, that you feel like, man, the soft tissues, if they just were able to get released, how much better you'd feel, then I would invite you to come ask for the lucky ticket. Now, you can obviously request it directly from us. If you're on our mailing list, it's already in your email box. Uh, Look out for it there. Uh, But also, there should be some social media posts on Facebook and Instagram uh, with the lucky ticket on it. So if you just screenshot that, bring it on in. Uh, We'll honor it in any way that uh, you can present it to us. But uh, if you want to get your hands on it directly, the digital copy of it, and have us send it to you, reach out to us uh, at info at formfunctionpt.com or down in the comments of this podcast. If you're checking it out and you want the lucky ticket, just drop a little I want in the subject line and we will get you that lucky ticket and you can feel the relief of a introductory massage at form and function PT. So as we get ready to wrap up, I wanted to cover the question of the month. And the question of the month is really a question of every month that we commonly get and keeping it on the same vein as the uh, back pain issues that we've been dealing with. Should I be icing or should I be using heat for my back issue? And the answer becomes uh, a very simple, depends on where you're at in the process. If you just happen to um, 10 minutes ago, bend over, lift something and felt something given your back, felt something strain, a sharp pain um, started occurring in your back, then the immediate response is to get to the ice pack as quick as possible. Um, as soon as we can, we're trying to mitigate the amount of inflammation that's um, going on in the body. If that goes unchecked and so much inflammation um, just really 
kind of continues to develop in the area. This is a little further that you're going to have to come back from. So if we can mitigate it, we can get through the, the issue a whole lot faster. So the faster you can get the cold, the better in the immediate response to an injury. So uh, how long should you be icing? For me, it's 10 minutes. You can safely ice for up to 20 minutes, but I've had so many patients of mine um, actually go overboard with ice that they're coming into the office with frostbite. So I don't want you to get yourself into those situations. Be safe at 10 minutes. It can be helpful. Um, Closer to 20 is is nice. 10 is plenty. 10 is safe. 10 is going to get you the outcome you're looking for. So 10 minutes of cold um, for that lower back immediately after. So how long should you be icing once that irritation started? So for me, it's ice only for the first 48 to 72 hours, depending on how irritable this condition is. Uh, Once we get to that kind of 48, 72 hour, then we can transition to heat in the morning. So first thing, hot pack, heating pad, hot shower. Um, You can even do a second round of heat during the day. uh, And people will ask, is it okay to get in the hot tub? And the answer is yes. However, there's also a limit to that because anything, I keep heating to 10 minutes as well. If we go over over 20 minutes with heat, you can actually cause uh, more circulation to that area, more inflammation to develop. And if we've irritated a nerve, the tendency is that nerve will swell. If we bring more blood flow to the area, it's going to cause it to swell further and you're going to have a heck of a time trying to get to sleep if we've created a big old uh, event. So should you be going to bed with a heating pad? Absolutely not. I want you to get 10 minutes of heat in the morning or before activity and then cold after anything aggravating. So cold in that first 4872 and cold if you feel like, man, I think I overdid it and maybe set something off, you want to try to jump in and and suppress that with the cold pack. So keeping heat nice to 10 minutes, heat before activity, ice after, ice in those first 48 to 72 only. Okay. So there's your question of the month. Thanks for listening in. That's it for the podcast today. Next podcast next month, I wanted to remind you, we're here with Tina Wang, PM&R extraordinaire, Dr. People in our our network, we're trying to introduce them to you. So tune in for that one. Uh, Thanks again. Let us know how we did in the comments below. Uh, Like it, share it out to people, subscribe. Thanks again. Stay in the game, everybody.